0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nintendo Week, this time for the endo-week of October 28th through November 3rd. Spooky Month is over, and I'm your host, Colin McIsaac. As always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Baby, it's cold outside. And Ben Lemoreau. I miss
1: Spooky Month already.
0: That's right, now it's already Christmas month. (laughs) What? Don't say those words. Uh, This week, Nintendo held their investors Q&A where they revealed their first mobile game. We're going to break that all down for you in the discussion segment this week. Um, There's a lot more to talk about, but first we've got a ton of news to get to on Nintendo's finances. The next Nintendo Direct, Xenoblade. Pokemon, a live-action Metroid short film, and there's a lot more, so stay tuned. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody who sent in their feedback after last week's episode. Uh, To my surprise, the overwhelming majority of you guys said that the show is pretty much perfect as is, uh, lightning round and everything. I always suspected that I personally was perfect, but I didn't realize we were perfect
1: as a
2: group.
0: Well, uh, so we'll probably be playing around with, uh, small tweaks for the next few episodes, maybe. Um, since, you know, nothing's actually perfect, and we can always stand to improve, of course, even you, Ben. Mm. (laughs) But I think it looks like we'll be keeping the show's format pretty much the way it is for the most part. Um, if you don't want that, still email me. I'm always open, but that's what it's looking like. But that said, let's jump into the news. So we haven't had a Nintendo Direct in a very long time, actually the longest in history. Um but the drought should be over soon. The new Nintendo president, Tatsumi Kimishima, has announced that there will be at least one Nintendo Direct before the end of the year. At least one. Kimishima also said that Nintendo is changing up the way they do Nintendo Directs and so there will be a new format next year. What I'm not clear on is does that apply to to the one that's coming up this year or the multiple?
2: Yeah, it wasn't totally clear to me either. Yeah, it
1: seemed like it was kind of left open-ended there. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so new format coming at some point, more Nintendo
1: Directs. I kind of think maybe they'll uh Maybe they'll use this uh, this first Nintendo Direct under Kamishima to sort of introduce him to the fans in a way, and then. You know, introduce their, their new format next year.
0: Yeah, maybe, although I don't know that Kamishima is going to host the Nintendo Direct, so I don't know if there's really a reason to introduce him.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say he'll host it, but I, I'd kind of be surprised if he's not you know involved yeah. in some way, if he doesn't get in front of the camera. In some way,
0: yeah. People are, are expecting a lot, I would assume, of Iwata's successor,
2: mm-hmm. uh, at least in terms of a public presence. And he has to prove that he can smile. <laughs> that kind of leads me into what I was going to say, which is, uh, <laughs> it's one of those odd situations where Kamishima is more of a businessman than a gamer whereas you know mm-hmm. wada was very much a gamer first and then developer and then uh, businessman and we didn't really get a lot of public presence out of uh, yamauchi when he was in charge so this will be kind of a if he does make an appearance this will be a very new sort of flavor for nintendo directs
1: yeah and i don't know if that's even something that people would have considered you know a problem back in the day without social media and everything like i i don't even know if most of Nintendo's fan base would even think, oh, why is this CEO not more of a public presence? But I mean, yeah. honestly, I don't think so. You know, when Reggie
0: came into Nintendo, uh, you know, people were excited about him, and mm-hmm. that was sort of the early ages of the internet,
2: but he was, of course, nothing like he is today. It was one of those theme. odd things where, personality-wise and appearance-wise, he was very much showing up at those those business shows and talking business, but at the same time, he always also had this edge that was really appealing to fans. Kicking
0: <laughs> and making games. Yeah, right. <laughs> Of course, he doesn't say that anymore, but...
2: Now he feels like... Yeah, he's become like, so man. much tamer in recent years. Yeah. Sticking to the party line, or company line, I suppose.
0: <laughs> Plus, uh, you know, we've talked before. Actually, this kind of is a good opportunity to bring up a listener question. Uh, someone was asking whether we think Bill Trennan should be the new host of Nintendo Directs, um, And we've already talked in the past that we think that, but this is sort of a good, you know... Reminder, yeah, like BuildTrin could host Nintendo Directs in the future. Other people could host them. You know, it doesn't have to be Kamishima. And this, you know, maybe the one we see at the end of the year could be our introduction to the new host as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or you know, if the new format is hostless, then yeah, I guess I didn't even really thought about that possibility,
1: but
2: I could. Happen. I'm personally more interested to see what content we'll see in the new Nintendo Direct because if it follows the pattern we saw last year. Uh, last year in november we got a nintendo direct hinting at what was coming in the first half or so of 2015 you know if the pattern continues we'll see a direct that talks about the first half of 2016 which means we could see things like Twilight Princess HD, we could see well, Star Well, that's Fox.
0: actually a very nice segue into the next talking point. Uh, Kamishima also said that Nintendo has more Wii U and 3DS games coming by the end of this year that they have not announced, so by the end of 2015. Now, listeners, I wouldn't get your hopes up too high. It's probably going to be smaller digital stuff, more along the lines of, like, Pushmo or Dr. Luigi, you know, just to pad out their holiday lineup. But that could be kind of the stuff that we might see in... in Uh, Nintendo Direct towards the end of the year is introducing the smaller digital stuff uh, that they want to
2: get out of the way before the end of 2015. I guess it depends how much they feel like pushing out between now and the end of the year. I mean, the only big thing I could see them talking about that would be out before the end is maybe Twilight Princess HD if they want to do some kind of like quick and dirty drop it and get it out there for the holidays sort of release. Yeah, I know for Wind Waker HD they had that early digital release and then the physical version came out later, so... Right. Uh,
0: another great uh, segue. This is actually not a new talking point, but in the same presentation, uh, they showed a slide with a ton of Nintendo characters. They showed a new render of Link that we've seen snippets of before, but they showed a new render of Link uh, in the same pose as his Twilight Princess pose. Clearly the same like Twilight Princess model, kind of like art direction, but updated HD visuals. It was like a 3D render. Mm-hmm. You know, another hint of Twilight Princess HD, question mark?
1: Yeah, I mean, after what the data miners found, I'd be surprised if it's not announced, but I I don't think it'll be launched this year. That seems like too big
2: of a title to just shoehorn in at the end of the year with, you know, very, very little lead-up to it. The only thing that, that gives me even the slightest suggestion that that could happen is, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal— uh, what Kimishima really said was that they're getting out these games to promote Wii U during the holiday period. And we've already seen uh, similar uh, renders of Twilight Princess HD Link appearing in stores. And so it seems like they're using Twilight Princess HD as a promotional sort of tool for this holiday. And that means Hmm. maybe they'll be releasing it. I don't know, though. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I kind of I wouldn't be too surprised,
0: Ben. I don't think it's necessarily happening, but I wouldn't be too surprised just considering they delayed Zelda U like several months ago. It took them six months to develop Wind Waker HD, including the software that they made to port GameCube games uh, to Wii U. Right. So, you know, it's not too much of a stretch to say that they could take about six months, maybe eight months, nine months. uh, But, you know, when they delayed Zelda U, maybe have said let's make an HD remake of Twilight Princess, release that in 2015 so
1: that people have something, you know, to sort of make up for it. Oh yeah, it's it's certainly possible within that time frame that they put the game together. But from a marketing standpoint, I wouldn't say it, you know, it it means it's not happening, but rather that I think it would be sort of a poor decision to wait until this late in the game to announce it if it's going to be a holiday title. And especially if, like Alex said, that, you know, they're they're sort of using it to push Wii U because if you're going to use a game to push Wii U during the holidays, you should probably announce it before november oh yeah i'm
0: i'm totally with you there um yeah i think if it's happening you know alex's you mentioned it could be maybe digital only for a little while i think that is possible um because that would give them more time you know they could release it more quickly uh from when they're done uh making the game rather than having to go through the manufacturing and and shipping periods um but yeah it would be a weird move i it would kind of be a Nintendo-y move, maybe, to say, hey, Nintendo Direct,
2: Twilight Princess HD, it's out now! Get excited, everybody! <laughs> yeah, that, but, that would be what I would expect if they were going to release it.
0: Yeah, if that's if, if going to happen this year, that's how it's going to happen, I would say, but I am not sure it's going to happen this year, or in that
2: way. Yeah, Nintendo is in one of those sort of who-knows sorts of positions, because they did, like, earlier this year launched the new Nintendo 3DS in North America with, like, less than a month's notice, so... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who knows what Nintendo will do? Who
0: knows? (laughs) 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 Well, before we move on to news about Nintendo's actual games that we know about, we've got one more story in the state of the company. Nintendo released its second quarter earnings report this week, revealing tons of financial data and sales stats, so here's a quick overview. Uh, They made about $26 million in profits last quarter. They've now got about $4.3 billion in the bank and $9 billion in current assets. Uh, Nintendo has sold over 21 million Amiibo worldwide and Link is the most popular one in the West. They've sold 2.42 million copies of Splatoon, over 2 million copies of Happy Home Designer, and nearly 2 million copies of Super Mario Maker. They sold around 1.27 million units of the 3DS and 11 million 3DS games last quarter. Meanwhile, Wii U sold over 69 million games and 10.73 million consoles. Now, to put this all in perspective, that means that Wii U has just now outsold the Sega Dreamcast, the famously <laughs> company crashing console for Sega.
1: I mean, it's um, a milestone, right? <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> to dreamcast's credit it achieved this sales figure quicker than wii u did Mm -hmm. uh
1: but yeah i mean
0: obviously nintendo's in a lot better of a financial situation right now than sega was then so wii u's not going to kill the company yeah
1: that's that's the big thing is that nintendo you know like we just said they have a 4.3 billion dollar safety net when it comes to their bank account so
0: yeah so i mean you know their their sales are not looking great the sales are in fact looking pretty bad but, you know, with all the new mobile stuff and NX on the horizon, we have no idea how those could be affected. Uh, you know, just just remember, 10.73 million consoles is not a number to be proud of, Nintendo fans.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it's been almost three years at this point. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, like That's like three and a half million a year tops. Yeah, like, it's that's bad. It's terrible.
0: Uh, That said, though, Kimishima does believe that Nintendo can return to profits that sort of more closely resemble uh, their profits in the Wii era, DS era, um, within three years, so by
2: 2018. I see a lot of people reacting to that point as if it's insane, but, you know, when you add up mobile, when you add uh, Nintendo probably having a largely shared library between handheld and consoles, meaning... They won't have to rely on a fresh install base for each franchise. Referring, each of
0: course, time. to the sort of rumors about
2: the NX. Sure, and and also, you know, of course, what Nintendo's already said about sharing assets and stuff. Uh, it's not hard to imagine a Nintendo where development costs are lower because they're really only developing assets once, and on top of that, profits are higher because they now have more platforms on which to push those pieces of software.
1: Yep. So yep. Uh, a few interesting things about these sales stats here. Uh, Nintendo sold about fifty percent more Amiibo over the last three months than over the previous three months. And during their uh, their their previous earnings call, they said that they were going to double and triple their uh, sales estimates for Amiibo, and therefore ship more so that they would have uh, less shortages. And it looks like I mean you know we only have one quarter to compare, but it looks like that's helped substantially because you know like I said, it increased their Amiibo sales on a quarter to quarter basis by about fifty percent hopefully that's you know something we we see them continue to do going forward is keep the amiibo stock levels high and therefore keep mm-hmm. the amiibo sales high because you know those are you know they're, they're clearly helping out with the finances because nintendo's not selling a ton of games but they're staying profitable yeah um and i have noticed
0: i actually have not been to a store to pick up an amiibo in god knows how long but i've seen pictures uh online on social media different kinds of spheres of people at the stores healthy supply of amiibo. So that's really encouraging. Uh, if you're a mm-hmm. mi- if you're an amiibo hunter or if you maybe had sort of dropped out of the hunt, um, maybe you were thinking of getting into the hunt, but it was just, you know, way too crazy. Uh, you know, maybe consider taking a look at it again because things are, seem to be in a lot healthier supply.
2: With the most recent wave, just from my personal experience, um, I managed to grab a couple of Yarn Yoshi amiibo. I managed to grab Ganondorf Olimar and someone else i forgot who um so it's it's been a lot less crazy i haven't had as much luck as i've seen some people have online like i didn't find any shulks in stores uh despite the fact that they extended it to more stores and removed the exclusivity but did that cause you to sulk it caused me to import
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um one number that I think, you know, deserves a lot of credit is Splatoon selling 2.42 million copies. That's, oh God, that's yeah. awesome. That means that's that's close to one in every four Wii U owners already own Splatoon. And this is a game that's only been out a few months, and it's a brand new IP, and it's got to compete against the likes of the, you know, 10,000 Mario-related titles that are on Wii U. So that's <laughs> that's just really incredible that it's it's been able to perform so well so quickly. And then, you know, both, yeah. both Animal Crossing and Super Mario Maker were able to sell about 2 million copies in a very short period of time as well. So, Nintendo's not moving consoles anywhere near what they'd like to, but they do have some pretty successful first-party titles that are racking up the sales quickly. And I I was a little surprised to see Happy Home Designer do so well out of the gate, just because it's, you know, it's, it's different and it doesn't have as much content to it, and you have to buy peripherals to go along with it as well, but, you know... 2 million pretty
2: quickly.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised too, but then I, you know, Animal Crossing is huge, especially in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, it's been, I think, three years now since New Leaf, so I was initially surprised, but then sort of thinking back on it, nah, makes sense. The arcade version of Pokémon Tournament recently received a surprise update that included a new form for Mewtwo. Footage has surfaced showing a special boss battle between Gengar and this new form, which is labeled as Dark Mewtwo. Uh, It looks kind of like uh, Mega Mewtwo X, but with some extra stuff on board. Uh, it looks, you know, it's recolored to look darker. And... But Nintendo later announced the boss officially with a cool trailer, which you can find at Gamnesia. So far, we don't know whether this new form will be exclusive to Pokken Tournament or whether we could see it uh, in the future of Pokemon, uh, you know, more towards the main series, maybe other spin offs, um, the show, or uh, anything like that. And it's also unclear whether dark mewtwo is playable in Pokémon tournament right
1: uh for now in japan at least it's just a boss battle but i mean it's it's possible okay. that it could be unlocked later perhaps i mean
0: given given that it's a character mm-hmm.
1: i can't imagine they would keep it just as
2: a boss for yeah
1: and then in the uh the english footage we got of it it's it's name in the west is going to be
2: shadow mewtwo oh sha- okay officially yeah I would expect, though, that he'll probably at least be playable on the console version, if not yeah. on the arcade version. Because, you know, they can charge DLC prices for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, and there's, you know, some people are
1: speculating maybe this would be like, you know, a Mewtwo Z form or something. But obviously from the name, that's that's not what's happening. But yeah. uh, the footage, it's, it's kind of quick and the animation's not quite the same as in the game. But it looks like it starts out as Shadow Mewtwo or Dark Mewtwo and then Mega Evolves partway through the battle. So I, I think oh, interesting. I think we're seeing this Shadow Mewtwo possibly take on the X Mega Evolution form, but it's it's not one hundred percent clear. Sure. Right. Xenoblade Chronicles X features a 13-year-old female character
0: named Lin Lee who can be dressed in some very revealing outfits in the Japanese version. But these outfits have been changed to be less sexualized in the European version and possibly in the North American version as well. We're hearing conflicting reports about her age, too, in the localization with some sources claiming that it's been changed to 15 in the Western release. Uh, An employee of the localization company says that's not the case. Um, But anyway, you know, thoughts on this censorship?
2: I'll just contribute for now that the only source that I'm aware of that says that she's 15 is Game Informer. Everyone else I see claiming that is probably getting the information from Game Informer. So, Yeah, anyway. most likely. Mm. Um, you
1: know, normally I, I don't really see the point in censorship, especially, like, for instance, with Fatal Frame, where it was an M-rated yeah. game that has, you know, gruesome death and things like that, but, you know, they can't right. have scantily clad women as well. But, uh, you know, I, I understand why nintendo made this choice obviously yeah. a very sensitive subject and you know it's something that could potentially impact sales in the west as well you know if uh yeah if the story really gets out there you know there's uh groups that would you know maybe protest things like that um well it's very distasteful too
0: yeah i mean you know i get i get a, like a lot of character customization and like bikinis and stuff you know if if you want that that's fine but lynn is a 13 year old girl like I don't know. If you I'm just kinda surprised that it wasn't a Nintendo game
2: to begin that's... with. Well it was a monolith soft game, unless we forget. I mean Nintendo Nintendo does own Monolith Soft and Nintendo obviously gave them the go-ahead, but Nintendo is not the ones from whom this content is originating.
0: Right. Yeah, and I mean like if 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 anyone out there is like upset about the censorship, um, you know, for the sake of like, you know, the the creative vision, you know, I I get that but I cannot see this as anything but a good thing. I know there's been a lot of, like, discussion about Nintendo and censorship lately, but it seems to me like this is, you know, more just
2: a case of saying, well, that's really just not appropriate. Well, yeah, especially when you consider the massive, not just political, but social climate against things like child exploitation. It's just mm-hmm. not, that, that those sorts of things just aren't going to fly in the West. Uh, whereas yeah. Japan there's an entire like genre of visual novels dedicated to child exploitation and that you know that includes video games on ps vita and stuff like that and even on 3ds so uh, it, you know it's it's really clear that nintendo being the family friendly company that they are is is not and is not on board with the idea of child exploitation in video games <laughs> right right even if it's you know the the player deciding to dress their character a certain way now mm
0: mhm Well, uh, in much more exciting news, (laughs) the same crew that made IGN's infamous April Fool's Day joke, which featured a trailer for a live-action Legend of Zelda movie, has given the same treatment to Metroid. The director of this short film reimagined the series by studying classic sci-fi films of the 60s and 70s like Alien and 2001 A Space Odyssey, and uh, I don't know who all has seen this uh, between us, between you listeners, but man, if this doesn't prove that Nintendo franchises can be a Adapted into great films
1: yeah you know I, I went into the video not quite knowing what to expect but being you know slightly hyped that i was getting a little live action short metroid <laughs> film but i was i was blown away i thought it was really well done and i enjoyed the fact that yeah. like the creators of metroid they said hey you know they drew inspiration from sci-fi of the 60s and 70s so we're going to theme it off that and instead of having it yeah. be you know about actions and guns blazing uh you know it was more about themes of isolation and things like that and there was still a little bit of action in it but you know it was it was really good i thought they did a great job of capturing yeah. the exact feel they were going for and i was i was gripped from start to finish
0: yeah well especially with with them examining like alien because that is that is the
2: movie that metroid was most heavily inspired by right i was most pleased honestly with the the art direction for this as well as the story concept Both Mm -hmm. of them felt very faithful to Metroid. Mm -hmm. Uh, The acting and the writing were kind of meh. Yeah. But no, they they clearly know what people are looking for out of Metroid media. And I'd love to see some partnership like this become official so that we can get something more full feature length. I'll say. And I I think Metroid is, if not the
0: best, Pikmin is certainly a top contender, but one of the best franchises that Nintendo could adapt into a film. And, you know, this this certainly helps its case but um, I feel like especially with Super Metroid is just so cinematic already the way it tells its story the way that it that the the music sort of is atmospheric yet melodic uh, in this really great way that seems so fitting for a video game that's that's really telling this story about isolation um, I think Metroid fits the bill perfectly and I think they just did a great job showing it
2: you know it's funny that you describe super metroid as cinematic because i never really think of it that way but you're right in that it's very visually rich and that could definitely mm-hmm. be mined for a cinematic uh work yeah, oh yeah absolutely. i mean a lot of it. The, there are a few cutscenes,
0: but a lot of them felt very much like they were trying to tell a cinematic story and that makes sense because it was inspired by stuff like Alien. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But the whole time you know anytime I play Super Metroid especially like towards the end when the screen starts shaking to sort of throw you off I can see you know they clearly were inspired by sort of the vocabulary of film. Right. um, For this game and sort of applied it to this new medium which was at the time emerging and at the time those kinds of those sort of film techniques were completely novel but you know it's interesting to see the way that that worked in especially a 2d game
2: yeah and then now we're seeing that kind of flip around where they're taking a lot of techniques from what metroid does with exploration and uh, and isolation and bringing it back into a, a cin- actual cinema which is sort of an interesting yeah. full circle loop
0: yeah Not only interesting, but I think very fitting for Metroid, very appropriate, um, almost like fate. Right, right. Well, as always, to conclude the new segment of this week's show, we are bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above, or anything you hear about in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all of these links. So first, we've got some upcoming uh, dates to look out for, as well as some recent releases. Game is currently distributing Hoopa to Pokemon players in the UK. Two new weapons are available in Splatoon, and the high Rule Edition New 3DS, Fatal Frame, and the retail version of Shovel Knight are all available now. You can also pre order the Falco Amiibo from Nintendo UK. November 4th, Capcom is live streaming Monster Hunter X and Monster Hunter Stories. November 7th, Europe's next Splatfest pits zombies versus ghosts. November 13th, you can buy the green yarn Yoshi Amoeba without having to get the Woolly World bundle. November 15th, Pokemon producer Junichi Masuda will appear on a Pokemon variety show in Japan, so stay tuned for news. November 27th, McDonald's will begin distributing Hoopa in the US via Nintendo Zone. McDonald's will also be distributing Pokemon toys and trading cards in Happy Meals starting on that same day, November 27th. Then we've got a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. The Super Mario Maker update will let
1: you add two checkpoints per level. Which I think is just Nintendo's way of telling everyone that they need to make their levels really long and challenging.
0: (laughs) Uh, Pirates beat Ninjas in North America's latest Splatfest, while Love narrowly beat out money in Japan. Splatoon won two awards at this year's Golden Joysticks, and Satoru Iwata was unanimously chosen for their Lifetime Achievement Award. Nintendo plans to attract more female players to their games. An analyst says Nintendo's current consoles have a tough time ahead for them. Another says Nintendo's mobile plans could generate 6 billion yen in profits a year. And Miyamoto says that Nintendo will push their IP quote, far more aggressively with NX. The Nintendo eShop has fully incorporated a rating system that works more quickly across multiple regions. The developer of Gunman Clive ported Gunman Clive to the original Game Boy for a free demo, and you can play that now on emulators. There's also now a Nintendo 64 emulator for Android smartwatches.
1: Now, when I first heard the story, I thought there's no possible way there could be a market for that. But then I remembered that I could play Goldeneye and check my watch while I check my watch, and obviously (laughs) I have to do that. (laughs)
0: A fan modded Falco and Bomberman into the original Smash Bros and another one modded Xenoblade Chronicles 3D to run on the original models of the 3DS and yeah, Nintendo was not wrong, it runs crazy slow, you can check that out if you'd like at Gamnesia. Also, pre-ordering a Xenoblade Chronicles X at Best Buy will get you $10 worth of pizza. (laughs) Triforce Heroes debuted at number one in Japan, but it failed to boost 3DS sales. Perfectly
2: in line with expectations.
0: <laughs> Sonic 1 and 2 have both been removed from the Wii Virtual Console in Japan. We have new footage of the intro and gameplay of Mario & Luigi Paper Jam. Viz Media says that Yokai Watch is going to be the next Pokemon. Appropriately, you can get a Pokemon game 50% off when you buy Yokai Watch at Best Buy. And if you're still not sure whether you're interested in Yokai Watch, you can check out 30 minutes of gameplay, exploring the world, checking out the battle system, helping you make up your mind. And Ben, by the way, we played the Yokai Watch demo at E3.
1: We recommend it, at least for now, right? Yeah, I mean, it seemed pretty fun. I, I was particularly impressed with how smooth and polished the visuals yeah. are.
0: And the demo is actually available on the eShop, too, if you're listening and want to check that out. Also, I want to plug something real quick, uh, listeners. Um, This article was released way too uh, soon before recording the podcast episode, so we unfortunately didn't have the time to make it a good discussion point this week. We'll be talking about it next week, but the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, you maybe have heard of this at some point, but some stuff has sort of surfaced showing that this could actually, if it passes, really, really harm the modern state of gaming. Um, You know, whether that would ultimately be morally right or, or ultimately change the industry for the better or worse is up for debate, but basically a lot of the things that gaming culture values right now will be punishable by law under this act, so make sure, read up on that. Uh, If you're interested, find out, you know, a little bit more about how you can help sort of
2: prevent those kinds of things from happening. And a quick comment to give some people some context. If you remember the SOPA law that was circulating a couple years back, uh, a lot of these provisions are very similar to that, and they would apply across the Pacific, so Asia and the United States. All around the world.
0: So that is the end of this week's news segment. Stay tuned because we are going to be talking about Mitomo, Mitomo, maybe uh, Nintendo's unusual mobile plan, um, very unexpected, and so we'll have some good discussion from that about the investors Q&A. So be sure to stay tuned. And welcome back to Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Me Tomo. And Ben Lemoreau. What he said. You Tomo. Yeah. Yeah. During Nintendo's second quarter investor briefing, which happened uh, just recently, President Tatsumi Kimishima announced Mitomo or Mitomo, not exactly sure how it's pronounced, but it is Nintendo's first mobile app. In Mitomo, you design a me and then you answer questions about yourself. It will prompt you questions sometimes, and your me will automatically interact with other mes in your friends list, sharing that information. Uh, I believe it can also interact with certain strangers maybe if you pass them a certain number of times Although maybe I just heard that as speculation Um, Either way before we even knew anything about this game Kamishima announced that it is delayed until March 2016 instead of coming out by the end of this year. Um, They explained that the reasons for the delay include improving the application and to optimize the overall smart device business. Um, And they need more time to promote the idea, explain the idea, but they're currently focused on promoting their holiday lineup and so they want to make sure that they can get the message of mitomo out there in the best way possible
1: apparently i missed all the uh you know heavy promotion they're doing for their current holiday lineup that makes it impossible for them to promote a smartphone game as well i mean i think it's really
0: more about that second part of the overall smart device business because this does not look like the game that that they were saying it would be um and you know we'll talk about this more in the future obviously they've got like what, four, five, six maybe months of work left on this thing mm-hmm. before it comes out. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see it undergo some big changes, big uh, become a much deeper experience than we understand it to be now. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was really more about completing the game and making sure that this can lead their smart device business, because right now it certainly does not look like it can.
2: I actually have been thinking a lot about Meetomo since it was announced. Um, I know mm-hmm. between the three of us, our initial reactions were... Basically, something like, okay, this isn't really the game they promised. It's a communication app that uses Miis. Like, what's the point of this? Uh, That's a little tamer. Our initial
0: reactions were Nintendo's dead.
2: (laughs) Well... In 10 years. This is why that was our reaction, right? Right, right. Uh, Because there's there's plenty of communication apps already on mobile. um, That seems to be like the main use case for smartphones. Like everyone who uses smartphones, it seems, pretty much uses social networking apps already.
0: Yeah, there's no need for Nintendo to make a communications app. Like the whole point of smartphones is communications. If you have a smartphone,
1: you don't need to be encouraged to join a communications network. Right. Well, you know, that's one of the things they talked about is one of the few details they gave us is that they they hope this will encourage shy people to be able to communicate more easily and they hope that you'll be able to learn things about your friends that you wouldn't normally learn but i'm not sure how i I will learn more about my friends based on their answers to like you know prompts they got from their self i don't i don't i don't know i don't see that happening i don't see myself learning anything about my friends from this game Um, I don't know. I do. Um, I mean not assuming my friends actually play it I suppose
0: is the thing, but I do see some sort of benefits in that like, you know, take Facebook likes for example Only people who stalk each other's Facebook pages, you know, will see. Oh, hey, you liked the office on Facebook I love the office did you like it on Facebook because you love it or just because you saw it and it was okay? <laughs> and, you know, you can't bring that question up because that's weird, but, you know, right. that's kind of the advantage of something like this. It might ask, you know, what's your favorite TV show? Um, you know, and if someone says it's The Office and then the Mies share that information, then you find out, you know, you, you share this thing in common, whereas something like like the Facebook
2: likes is just, it's a lot less significant. Right. And I think one of the the strategies I think Nintendo is trying to push with the idea of a social network is social network networking apps are huge. There are lots of new social networking apps coming out all the time, and a lot of them do grow to become quite big. As long as it solves some problem that existing social networking apps have, they'll be able to find users. So the question is, what problem mm-hmm. are they solving? Right. This kind of goes to your point, but when you look at traditional so, traditional social network apps – it's all about uh, following people and brands and ideas that you find interesting and sharing information that you feel like sharing, uh, whereas Mitomo is more about prompting you to share information that you might not have otherwise shared.
0: Yeah, well, to that end, I actually see two benefits of this. Um, first of all, they did say it will incorporate more game-like elements, and I think that's going to end up being true. How exactly that will work, I don't know. I could imagine it being a lot sort of like Tamodachi life,
2: maybe. Um, well, actually, but, I read something, um, I forget where this was from, but I read something about Nintendo saying that they're planning to make money off this game through in-app purchases, which will include uh, things for your custom avatar, your me, mm-hmm. as well as uh, in-app games. So I'm thinking the structure might actually more closely resemble the uh, Street Pass Me Plaza paid games. Interesting. That,
0: yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, especially because phones sort of near sort of communicate with each other and um, right. Yeah.
2: This would be kind of adapting the model from the StreetPass games, but taking StreetPass out of it and replacing it with social networking.
0: Right now, the other thing you mentioned was you know what sort of problem does this solve in social networking? And I can easily see the problem that I do see it solving is how do you make better friends with the people that you know. But don't really know. And it's not so right. much about the friends that you hang out with. It's more about maybe the people in your classes or someone that you see on the train every day and his me pops up and you're like, maybe I should go talk to
2: him. Or someone that you played with online on Nintendo Network and decided to add as a friend because they were really fun to play with. Exactly. But you wouldn't have talked to them otherwise.
0: Exactly. And it facilitates a lot more conversation and getting to know each other than other social networks would. Um and so I can see that being really beneficial, of course, if they pull it off correctly. The question though is, will it be able to attract new users? Hopefully it will. But if if that kind of social networking service is wrapped up within a sort of more game-like environment, I don't know that it will work so well. It might, I am um, remain optimistic, uh, certainly a lot more optimistic than I was when I first heard about these announcements, but, um, I mean, I, th- I think I, I can see a situation in which it does solve those problems, it does it well, and it can attract people. The uh, question is whether that sort of situation will turn out to be the real situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, you know, both of you talked about how the, the finished product is likely to be, you know, much more fleshed out, have, you know, in-app purchases and games, and, you know, just something more than just, oh, hey, let's have our Mies interact with each other. And I I kind of feel like maybe it was a mistake for Nintendo to trot it out if they didn't have any of that content yet to show because you know even before they announced the game the first thing they announced is oh yeah by the way that mobile game we promised that we'd talk about it's delayed and then a little bit later they came back to it and said oh by the way here's what it is and it's gonna have some extra stuff but we can't talk about that yet and you know i the investors have been pushing for this for so long that to you know finally come to them and say okay here's our mobile announcements but we can't tell you anything and it's delayed. Yeah, I I don't know if if there was a a worse way they could have handled that. Yeah, the
0: stock plummeted by ten percent, even more, on, like immediately, uh, when they said that. Um, DNA's stock dropped even harder. Like they, the investors were were really looking for some good news here, and the news that they came with with Mitomo is basically we have this really abstract concept. It's gonna take us six more months to first of all explain it to the world. But more importantly, for us to figure out what it is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think what they were going for with the announcement was, oh, hey, we're making a social networking app, which Mm -hmm. is cool because social networking apps are really popular and a lot of people are making lots of money off of them. Yeah. But what they forgot to do was say, how are we going to make a lot of money off of this? (laughs) Uh, That certainly wasn't present anywhere in the investor presentation. Right,
0: right. Um, And, you know, the strategy that they've been talking about so much is using these games that they're releasing... Um, to leverage their IPs to convince people to buy Nintendo's dedicated hardware, you know, sort of buy up into Nintendo's ecosystem from Apple and Android kind of stuff, Um, just simple mobile games. But, you know, if they're going to do that, Mitomo, I can see why that is not at all the way to do that, because, you know... Take for example, like a Zelda shooting gallery based on the game shops in Castletown, Town um, or like Brain Age apps, Nintendogs on mobile. You know, stuff like that fits beautifully into the marketplace that's already been established for games on mobile platforms. And it would help promote their first-party IP because it's getting those IP into people's hands. Uh, you know, the Zelda Shooting Gallery example would convince people. You know, hey, this is fun. You can buy up into a huge Zelda adventure. Mitomo, on the other hand, has to first of all define its place in the mobile ecosystem, and second of all, manage to get people from the Mitomo app to Nintendo's hardware. Which you know, when when it's not a dedicated game in this pre-established and sort of already understood way it's just going to have a lot of trouble doing that
1: yeah and you know that was uh, the thought i had, had too is you know nintendo's been talking so much about how they're going to use their mobile plans to leverage their IP and everything and then they come out with mitomo and it's like oh this isn't going to convince people to buy a wii u or a 3ds but i think you know you and alex have brought up some good points about how maybe that's not what they're going for with this first one but rather instead it's it's about getting people to create a Nintendo account who otherwise would not have created a Nintendo account. So rather than promoting hardware with Me it's more about promoting their network and then hopefully maybe building from yeah. there with with yeah. future titles.
0: Yeah, and I can see, and I I can see that, and I think it would be great as as that sort of tie in, you know, for their mobile ecosystem, convince people to sign up with the account, uh, get people going on that service, which can sort of web out into their other games. But I think they would need to have several games out on the market first, or at least sort of released in a similar time period. Whereas, you know. I I don't think this is gonna work in that way if they do it as their first game because it sort of needs to tie into those other kinds of things. It needs to tie into the way that their account system works on their future hardware. It needs to tie into the way that their account system works for future mobile games that they're making. If they're just releasing this sort of This sort of cloud system first then it's not going to have any of these other facets of its plan like the hardware like the other game software uh, to get people interested in this sort of platform and so then it's going to launch people won't be as interested in mitomo because there's nothing else to show for it and then you know then when the other things come out if those gain popularity then when they tie into mitomo people are going to be like what the hell is
2: this Yeah, I see a lot of those same problems, too. Like, I think this has a lot of potential to be sort of like what we was for Nintendo and dedicated platforms, but for Nintendo and mobile platforms. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with the way they've communicated so far and the way they kind of have this piece in place, but not a lot of the other pieces that they need to have a successful account ecosystem, I'm not so sure that it's going to do that. Uh, And it's certainly not going to do that out the gate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of what we've seen with mobile apps in particular is... When they're entertainment focused, they tend to sunset after a while unless they have a lot of engagement and the, the momentum is sustained. So I could see this fizzling out before it really has a chance to do what it's supposed to do, and that's kind of a shame.
1: Yeah. Well, I agree to an extent, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I think yeah, it would have been good to launch like a Mario game first and then maybe Meetomo a little later. But at the same time, they claim that their their overall mobile plans are still on track, which means five games by march 2017 and they're going to launch their first one in march 2016 which means which is Mitomo. yeah but that means uh after Mitomo, that's that's an average of a mobile game about every three months so i you know i don't think it'll it won't have to be alone on the market for too long before there's you know maybe some other nintendo app that comes out that is a little more substantial and that can you know maybe show off a little bit more of what they have in mind and maybe connect to Mitomo. yeah and i can see that i just
0: you know at this point i'm not i'm not sure that three months is a short enough window that mitomo is going to be able to but of course you know again it's too early to judge we don't know We don't know anything about, like, what the final shape of Mitomo is going to be because they've got so much longer to work on it.
1: Right. Well, and and to Alex's point about how, you know, what if it fizzles out, that's obviously always a very, very real possibility with any sort of social game or mobile game or anything like that that, you Mm -hmm. know, it'll explode for a couple months and then just disappear. But Nintendo has said in quite a few different, you know, investor meetings and interviews and so on and so forth that they they're really focusing on games as a service and continually evolving the game over time, and that's why they brought DNA on as a partner. Right. So you know, hopefully that's that's what we'll see. But you know, it, it's a little hard to put your faith in that when we haven't even seen really much of what's going to be available at launch, much less you know what's right. what's going to be added over time. But I'll say it's right. it's right. It's, uh, it's a positive sign seeing the way they've been able to support Splatoon and to a lesser extent Mario Kart Eight. Which is um, especially, you know, relevant because Mario Kart 8's director is the person in charge of Nintendo's mobile Mm. division.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, what you're saying about, especially with, like, other games coming later, uh, there's definitely merit to that. You know, rumors do say that, like, the big guns of IP are coming next year at some point after, of course, Miitomo. Um But, you know, again, when the point is to leverage Nintendo's own franchises and hardware especially off of the mobile platform, Miis are gonna just have so much more trouble doing that than these kinds of big gun franchise-based games would. Because, um, you know, the point of Miis is to be avatars that represent you and communicate with each other on Nintendo's hardware. Now that you can do that on mobile, Miis won't be able to sell dedicated hardware by their brand. Mm-hmm. You know, more dedicated games would be giving players a taste of gameplay from that franchise, then hooking them on that appeal and luring them into the bigger and better titles in that series. But the biggest and best title that Miis have is Tamagotchi Life and Mitomo already looks like it could be bigger and better than Tamadachi Life. So, you know, it's kind of this twofold, uh, not failure, of course, because again, we, we don't know what this is going to look like in the end, but, but this twofold problem where the M's won't be able to convince people to buy up. And because this is the first property that they're introducing on mobile, nobody will be buying up from mobile to their platforms, which is going to put a damper on the rest of their sort of plans to do that.
2: Well, I will say I'm not too worried about Mitomo not using the big gun IP, because in case we forget, the big IP of last generation was Wii Sports, and that was not an established IP by any means. So as long as the experience does the sort of genre bending in the right way that they need to get people in and get people interested, it doesn't really matter if there's a big name IP attached to it. Uh, Obviously, we've seen tons of new IP on mobile that have thrived, so... Right. So I don't know that that a big name IP is necessary. But I what I am a little alarmed about is that Nintendo seems to see me as a valuable IP. Uh, and and in particular, the metrics by which they're measuring that, which is that, you know, I think Kamishima said there have been more than 200 million Mii's created, which is all good and dandy. But when creating Mii's was basically like a cost of entry to Nintendo's platforms, I'm not sure that you can use that as a metric for measuring how people like Mii's. That's less than two for every Mii component. Right, exactly. They've sold, yeah. And you you have to make one to play Wii Sports. You have to make one to play Wii U and 3DS. Um, So there's really no way to measure how many people are actually enjoying their Mii's based on that. Right. So I hope they're not trying to sell this based on Mii's.
0: Yeah, which is why I'm kind of saying, you know, because they're bringing Mii's off of Nintendo hardware, you know, not making them exclusive, if they're a selling point for anything, you know, that's it's just no longer true uh you know people might be able to buy like in-app purchases of things but you know how much are people really going to want to do that and the question is if this kind of platform um offers rewards that are like like you pay for a mario hat for example people aren't going to want to do that unless they already care about mario and want to buy the mario hat so
1: right so it's it doesn't really serve around. that well as a as a bridge to their other ip right you know like, like we said before you know it could serve as just a way to get people to make a nintendo account but, um, you know, that, that all depends on, you know, first they have to sell people on Mitomo, You know, they have to convince people to download Mitomo. And, you know, they said they're delaying it because they need more time to explain it and promote it and such. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering how they'll do that because this is new territory for yeah. Nintendo. So how will they go about marketing a mobile game yeah and
0: we with the stuff that they've said before and that we've already been talking about a bit here in the discussion you know it's it's seems to be clear that they're not quite sure either so that's that's a hurdle for them as well um and and just for you listeners you know i want to reiterate it is too early to judge Mitomo uh by itself you know what we're talking about here is not Ninte- like this just sucks for nintendo because they're doomed but you know we're saying these are the problems that Mitomo is gonna face and hopefully you know by the time it's out it will have it will have come up with effective and creative solutions to to answer those questions uh, about you know how are you actually going to do this how are you going to succeed where you need to succeed and not fail where you cannot fail
1: right you know that's always a risk whenever you're entering a new market and so it's it's good that they teamed up with you know a partner that has experience in that field but at the same time they also don't want to just keep following those same methods they've said over and over again we don't just want to use traditional uh japanese mobile game pricing models we want to come up with new ways to make our games played by hundreds of millions hundreds of millions of people all around the world
0: Right. And I think, you know, either a positive or negative argument could probably be made for introducing Mitomo as that first game. Um, you know, I can see on the one hand, it's great to launch with a completely new idea that sort of almost redefines like what the mobile ecosystem is, but on the other hand, I can see why not launching with games that fit better into the current mobile ecosystem could be a bad move because you know then people are not going to be as interested. It's gonna be a lot harder to sell these games. Um, you know If you start selling the ones that make sense within the currently established mobile ecosystem, people will get interested there, and then through that, that'll be sort of a door for them to follow what else Nintendo's doing in the mobile space, and then when they open that sort of revolutionary gate, like Mitomo could be, you know, then then's a good opportunity. They've established themselves in the mobile marketplace and can let something like Mitomo redefine what they're doing.
2: So we talked a lot about how we think uh, Mitomo is going to possibly open up new opportunities for people to share information that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, I'm going to be writing about this a bit more from a more, like, business uh social networking focused uh standpoint uh go in a little more detail than we're able to on this podcast uh so look for that article sometime later this week cool awesome um Nintendo
0: also unveiled their new account system and membership program. We've been talking about it a little bit here. Um, But, you know, just to give you an overview of what that looks like, uh, in the future you'll be able to sign up for a Nintendo account using your Nintendo Network ID, Facebook, Google, Twitter, and email account, and more. So it's going to be extremely accessible. Um, and that's, you know, that's a good move for this kind of platform that they're introducing. But your Nintendo account will have a friends list that is shared across consoles and mobile devices. And it's looking like it's going to be this more sort of overarching account system, li- like more like what PSN and Xbox Live are doing. But, you know, it seems like it's going to be very accessible through all these kinds of platforms and synchronize across them.
1: Right, and that's, that's right in line with what Nintendo has said about they in the future wants you to think of nintendo as a platform that connects to multiple devices yeah
2: and i'm hoping the uh, integration with facebook google and twitter uh opens up opportunities for uh you know ha- automatically adding friends to your nintendo account through those other services because yeah, that would that would reduce good. a lot of friction in terms of building up your nintendo account friends list
1: what you don't like friend codes <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah for sure and yeah. and hopefully it'll also
0: help a little bit more in like sort of the social media sharing aspects Um, like maybe integrating Miiverse artwork into Twitter somehow, being able to tweet those like immediately. I don't know. I think there are some interesting ways that they could use them, but I'm not a social media savant, so
2: I don't have any extremely elaborate ideas. Well, yeah, I'd say one of the the big disappointments for me in terms of Miiverse has been that the system or the, the service has been kind of slow. And I think having more opportunities to share directly to these existing pretty fast pretty established pretty mature social networks would will be a, a, of great benefit to nintendo yeah so the
0: service that you'll use your nintendo account for this account we've been talking about is going to be called my nintendo uh this is kind of the new iteration of club nintendo it will include a rewards program that gives you points for buying and playing games and you can spend those points on dlc original goods game coupons there are also going to be some future services that they're planning. Uh, Nintendo, accounts uh, yeah. <laughs> In, uh, <laughs> Nintendo accounts will extend to Nintendo's non-gaming ventures.
2: Inventures. Yeah.
0: Nintendo accounts will extend to Nintendo's non-gaming ventures, including like theme parks, movie theaters, storefronts. Um, the My Nintendo website will allow you to purchase software and view purchases, uh, view your play info, your game-related messages. So it's all going to be very, you know, cross-compatible. Um, and it looks like they're going to be offering a lot more sort of real world rewards for the time that you're putting into, uh, being a part of Nintendo's ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that they say you can rack up points for buying, but also for playing games. And, you know, I, I don't know what they have in mind exactly, but, you know, people... Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's that's, that's where what I, was I was going. Thinking. Is that I'm hoping that there's a you know a, an actual universal achievement system, and that achievements can also unlock you know store credit. Essentially, I think that would be a, a really interesting idea. That you know, especially promotes just really you know holding on to your Nintendo games and digging into them, and you know just getting every last item and everything because there's there's actually a monetary reward Mm -hmm. for it well yeah and there's something to be said about especially
0: for games that that, you know players can really sink their teeth into not even necessarily in terms of depth just in terms of dedicated playtime like Hyrule Warriors is a great example of a game that if you play it for hours and hours and hours on end doing everything you possibly can your gameplay experience is really not any different between hour 20 and hour 20,000 um but you know if if you have some sort of tangible reason to want to keep playing other than just the joy of the game uh you know level grinding runs, you know, these kinds of things are going to be a lot more rewarding than just sort of the intrinsic value that a person might experience with them. You know, there's a real incentive for all kinds of people to explore these new ways you can play games. Uh, You know, people who maybe wouldn't want to do 100% runs uh, under any other circumstances. People who maybe wouldn't want to spend, you know, every day checking and maintaining Animal Crossing towns for a year or more um you know they have reasons to come back and and visit these kinds of things and do more than they normally would
2: yeah i think that's a very nintendo-like sort of incentive because um, they really love it when you experience all of their games uh i guess i guess the other nice benefit is for people who are already completionists they're probably also the kinds of people who buy a lot of nintendo games and so this is sort of a way of rewarding them mm-hmm. for their loyalty which any good loyalty program should do.
0: Yeah, so. well, and I think the, the sort of the gameplay uh, rewards is another great way to, to reward loyalty. Because I think, you know, pouring hours of gameplay into a game is, is I would say, is a better measure of loyalty than just buying several games. Because there are lots of games Nintendo makes that are not good and don't deserve my loyalty. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. Hey, <laughs> there are plenty of games. It's that, true. But... Um, You know, so I think there's something to be said about the way Nintendo's looking about this. You know, it's not only about uh, (laughs) pouring your money into our pockets and then we will give you some DLC points. Uh, It's about pouring your time, pouring your care, pouring your attention, pouring your dedication, and pouring your life into these things, and we'll reward you for it. Um, You know, it's not just about the sort of financial relationship. It's about the personal relationship between the customer and the company. And, you know, with a company that's so personal as Nintendo, uh, whose fans are so personally uh, dedicated to and and passionate about these kinds of games, you know, there really is no
2: better thing they could do. Very appropriate,
0: I think. Very fitting. Very good.
2: This might be something that a lot of people take for granted, but because Nintendo didn't mention it, I'm going to call it out anyway. And mm-hmm. that is that it would be really nice to see uh, native apps, native mobile apps in particular, that are wrapped around these kinds of things. Uh, so, for example, a mobile version of the eShop or a mobile version of just a membership rewards sort of access mm-hmm. point. Uh, maybe some mobile app that they you can use at Nintendo theme parks um they haven't talked about these things Uh, i think a lot of people are assuming that they might happen um if they expect their account service to be useful for these kinds of things this is something they really need to do Uh, because i know personally i haven't purchased a playstation game in a long time that i didn't purchase through the playstation app um so i would love to have that kind of uh you know easy access easy convenient access to nintendo services as well yeah
1: yeah and like you said you can't really take it for granted just because you know they they didn't say that but you know they did partner up with dna and dna is helping them with all their networking stuff not just you know the mobile games but you know anything nintendo network related essentially so i'm i'm hoping that that's that's exactly what we will see that you know dna will use their expertise in that area and you know push that sort of thing
0: yeah and i mean i I don't think that nintendo is so blind to the current state of like technology uh so as to think that you know browser features will work on you know to support these kinds of things have people go through their web browser on their phone and and do all that i think they will release apps um they haven't said anything about it but well you know it's it's 2015 and they still don't have an eShop app yeah but you know yeah but i mean i think that's that's naturally coming with this this account system thing um you know, it's, I hope so. It was short-sighted of them <laughs> not to do it before, but you know, when you think about just how clunky Nintendo's online infrastructure is all across the board, you know, it really makes sense that. That they would sort of hold back and release those kinds of things when they're doing this complete overhaul of their system like the Nintendo account is uh, Rather than try to shoot, squeeze all these things together when, you know 3 dss still have friend codes and and the friends lists yeah. are different across the different platforms And you can't even like you can heart like you don't even log into your account online the, the licenses are tied to the consoles not the user accounts like my god There's just so many ridiculous things that they're doing um, and I think they're solving those all at once with this Nintendo account thing. I don't think they're going to keep fumbling in their, their sort of old ways um, with this with this kind of thing. Um, unless it's very minor details. Something as important as mobile apps f- for these, these
2: services. I, yeah. I think they're going to do it. So speaking of things that we hope they solve all at once with their new account system, there are a lot of other things that they didn't really mention when they announced the account system. Uh, I wrote an article talking about these things. Yes, you can check that out at Gamenesia.com if you're interested in reading. Uh, some of those things include like support for cross-buy for virtual console games, um, support for logging in on a friend system or transferring your account to a different system, uh, including your games and licenses. And save data. They're syncing save data to the cloud, and that may be working
0: with Miis. That was actually really surprising. But I think it's very fitting, and I think it's also telling. I think they might be doing the cross-buy for virtual console stuff. I mean, unless the NX games are really going to push save data over the cloud, and it could be for digital games, I suppose, but I think that's the strongest hint we have to cross-buy virtual console.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And it
1: would really be a shame if they didn't have it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, especially since so many people were asking for it. And since it will now be very technically feasible. Yeah. I'm more concerned, I guess, about the whole idea of logging in with your account on a system that you may not own or that you may have just purchased, even though you already owned one before. Because this is one of those situations where Nintendo's been very behind the times and very kind of stubborn about uh, how they've been dealing with these problems. So I, I want to know what you guys think. Do you think they're they're gonna uh, they're gonna fix that with with NX and their new account system?
0: I think they've been hearing so many cries about it that they have to. Yeah. Um, again, I, I just don't think that they're they're short sighted enough to keep screwing that up that badly
2: well and i can't imagine if they're partnering with dna that dna is not going yeah. to tell them you know you need to be doing this yeah yeah um and especially with the the comparisons they've already made to platforms like ios and android yeah once you make that comparison you can't turn back you have to deliver <laughs> right. um right no one's gonna let it slide this time it's amazing i i think one of the big problems we you and 3ds have been having is that people don't really see them as platforms that they can trust to invest in
0: yeah no i um, agree
2: and NX really needs to nail it on all fronts, not just on the games but on the, uh, and, and on the hardware, but on the, the account side as well. Yeah, both Wii U and 3DS completely screwed up online infrastructures
0: in ways that 2005's Xbox 360 nailed already. So, <laughs> I mean, in 2015, there is absolutely going to be no excuse whatsoever.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought up Xbox 360 because that's really what propelled Xbox 360 was Xbox Live and how much better that got uh, with with Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's now, what, 10 years later and Nintendo's still not there. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like the end of the episode is drawing near, so everybody, thank you guys so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it. We're up to 36 reviews right now. We're shooting for 40 and beyond, so if you like what you're doing, please consider helping out. Leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, And if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A.com. Remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys and we read them and we talk about them here on the show. So it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. So thank you guys again so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. Another analyst says that Nintendo's mobile plans could generate
1: <laughs> another mobile at it...
2: wow